0: Hello, Michael.
1: Oh, Hava, it is so good to see you right now. <laughs> I'm looking at you through the telephone. You are a doll.
0: As I am contractually obligated to say, hi, how are you?
1: That's right. Welcome to hi, how are you? <laughs> this is the a bonus, another bonus corona episode. Bonus corona episode. We, we try to please you. We want you to have something to do, have something to listen to, because... Life is kind of shitty right now.
0: Yes. And if we have to live with ourselves slowly losing our grip on reality through social distancing, then you should too.
1: That's right. I don't know if this will make you lose your grip faster or make you lose your grip slower, but whichever it is, we hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, podcast news podcast news we have the call-in line for patrons oh
0: yes yes we have a talmudic hotline
1: leave us messages please like what's the deal no one has called us yet and we're disappointed
0: yes call us with a talmudic query call us with a snide remark Call us to complain about coronavirus. Just call us to see how we're doing.
1: Yes, please. Yes, please. Other podcast news is Hava's hair is no longer pink.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, I just got a piece of kosher for Passover almond macaroon stuck in my throat. That's beautiful. My hair is no longer pink. (laughs) I know, it's a very Jewish experience. My hair is now blue, so um, maybe I'll post a selfie on Twitter because... It does look great. I am very cute for all you podcast listeners who are wondering if I'm cute. I am.
1: She's super cute.
0: <laughs> my hair is blue and we're up to, I think, 33 patrons on the Patreon, which is incredible. I can almost pay my rent off Patreon, which is just like, you, didn't, you can't see me, but I'm doing a chef kiss.
1: It's a very cute chef kiss, as you can imagine. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun. We're really um, thankful that so many people like the show and, and are contributing and helping Hava survive and also helping us survive emotionally by, you know, giving us a project to work on that we both enjoy.
0: Exactly. And without further ado, Michael, I heard you might have a question for me, a discussion topic for this little bonus, Corona bonus
1: I don't know how to phrase it, so I'm going to mumble and jumble it, and we'll see if we can together come up with the question.
0: We'll fix it in post.
1: In episode six, I kind of asked the cynics question. I was playing devil's advocate, and surprise, surprise, it's because, you know, I grapple with this problem a lot myself, which is, why is Judaism and the texts of the Jews on a higher plane than any other text, given that we've already discussed... (laughs)
0: Okay. Sorry. Is that funny? um, Is that funny?
1: (laughs) I don't think it's funny. This is serious shit. Uh, I'm serious. (laughs) I'm having an existential crisis right now. Okay. Let me explain. Yeah. We talked about yesterday that it's great to find things that you disagree with because that Mm -hmm. teaches you about what you actually believe. And it's also good to read stuff that can change your mind and might reflect a deeper understanding of what the morality you currently already hold to be true and it expands upon it but those two things are opposed to each other right the text is doing both you're both agreeing with it and you're also trying to find agreement with it and both are about kind of morality You're trying to find answers to moral questions and find deep social meaning when you're reading these texts. Yet there's this contradiction, this tension, and that sometimes you disagree with it and sometimes you learn something that now you agree with. So why the Talmud? Why not any other book. Let's say this practice is helpful in general. Well, let's say it doesn't matter what book you pick. You can pick all the books of Vladimir Nabokov. It doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, then how do you grapple with the fact that it's a bit arbitrary, that this is the thing you're choosing?
0: First of all, on the idea that you're both agreeing and disagreeing with the text, the Talmud itself is multivocal it contains multiple opinions and multiple systems of ethics within itself. So it doesn't have a single narrator, so it can provide a lot of different types of interactions while still being a consistent work. Although I think the idea of the Talmud as like a book, as a work, that's like a consistent and whole world unto itself is sort of like a Western way of understanding literature. But that's like a whole other thing. You asked why the Talmud in particular, and you also asked a question about drawing morals and ethics out of a book that you sometimes agree with and sometimes disagree with.
1: Right. If that's what you're doing, how do you know you're not just projecting your morality? How do you know that you're not just being totally postmodern? And if you are being postmodern, and if we've decided that we're going to be okay with that, then why even care at that point?
0: Yeah. So one safety mechanism that's built into the traditional style of Talmud learning is how you always learn in pairs, and then that pair is always learning within a community. So theoretically, you have a built-in pedagogical tool in the form of your chavruta, your study partner, who helps you avoid the trap of postmodernism by providing an external viewpoint that's going to challenge any projection that you're doing. Also, I think it's important to note that I don't necessarily go to the Talmud to find the ethics that are in it and get them out for myself. I go to the Talmud because the process of studying Talmud itself is how I develop my moral and ethical intuition. So it's not necessarily that the ethical and moral material is there just waiting to be harvested. It's that that ethical and moral intuition is honed, is generated by the process of study itself. So that's what I have to say about the idea of contradictions and projecting. And then the other half of what you say of why the Talmud in particular, why not just any other set of books is a little bit of a complicated answer, because on one hand, I think there is a lot to be gained from treating other books the way we treat the Talmud or the Torah or things like that. Like, obviously, there's this famous podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, where they read Harry Potter like a sacred text. And that's a really good and interesting podcast and a really interesting experiment.
1: But we don't like J.K. Rowling.
0: (laughs) I know, but even having that much feelings about J.K. Rowling, I feel like belies the fact that Harry Potter in its own way, is a sacred text. Like, if the author of a book that doesn't matter says some problematic shit, then who cares? But the fact that J.K. Rowling wrote such a cultural touchstone suddenly means the authorship and message of the book, they matter that much more to us.
1: So J.K. Rowling is the Hillel of
0: (laughs) Harry Potter. God forbid. God forbid. Also, there's this other half of the equation, which is that the Talmud... It is the result of the collective effort of generations upon generations of Jews to formulate ethical and moral ways for moving through the world. So just on the basis of that, it, I think, is worthy of investigation, like just to see what all of those thousands of people over those thousands of years what that process looks like. I think there are a lot of insights to be gained just on the sheer merit of its origin. But also, I think that it has a, I don't know if I want to say unique, but it has a particular sense of logic. It has a particular concept of pedagogy. It has all of these really particular ideas that I think are valuable I don't know if I can say they're the best, but like it has a unique way, a unique epistemology, a unique teleology. It has a unique sense of approaching our entire life, our entire world, whether that is the best or not, interfacing with that unique worldview gives us something really essential. I I laughed so much when you asked this question because I wouldn't say that I think the Talmud is like the thing to study. Like, I wouldn't say the Talmud is better than any other book, than any other scripture. It's just my thing. And I happen to think it's a really good thing.
1: The way you talk about the Talmud, if you replaced Talmud with a craft, like if you said painting, that's a good metaphor to understand it. If you're a painter and you've been painting for 30 years, it's not really about producing a painting and then having it and looking at it. It's about the process. You become enchanted with the process and maybe connected to the paradigms that you have to learn in order to execute the process well. And then you feel connected to the people who historically did the process. And even though they are from thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago, you can relate to each other in that you both are Doing this process that exists through time that is transmitted past the lifespans of any individual, and presumably that makes you feel connected to humanity in general and reminds you of the fact that you're part of the universal consciousness, blah, 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 blah. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think painting, I think art in a similar way to Talmud is an attempt by humans to like apprehend the truth. Of being. And that's what puts them in this similar place. I think there's sort of an interesting cultural parallel going on right now. There's this idea I've seen floating around, right? That now we all have cameras on our phone. People say it's a horrible time for photography because everyone thinks they're a photographer and they're taking these like heinous quote heinous pictures you know everyone's just taking shitty cell phone pictures and so it's like supposedly diluted the quality of photography but if you care about the process of photography versus the result then you'll see that it's a great time for photography because now so many more people are taking pictures that's really parallel to What's going on with Talmud right now, especially queer Talmud, a lot of queers are becoming involved in Talmud study and a lot of queers are becoming involved in Dafyomi, which is this big Talmud project where you read a page of Talmud a day. And I've seen Orthodox folks who respect that kind of learning because they don't see queer Talmud learning as comparable in quality to what they would consider traditional Talmud learning. But to me, I think it's like such a great time. Talmud learning because like more people are participating in the process even if they're not doing it in the exact way that this crowd would like it to be like it's a really big blossoming time for Talmud learning and this podcast is a direct result of that
1: some good takeaways. (laughs) Thank you for mostly reminding me of what you've probably already told me before. (laughs) <laughs> it's hard not to think in that western way where I've logically decided somehow that this book is the is the source of truth and that mm-hmm. is why I read it versus I read it because the action of reading it gives me insight and connection in the same way that practicing an instrument is a meditative experience or or learning a craft is is a worthwhile experience.
0: Right. And that first way of thinking is like a capitalistic way of thinking. Like I have to find the best thing. (laughs) I have to find the best thing and get the knowledge versus like the experience of doing something that brings me joy is, is good enough in itself. That's a very like antithetical to the capitalistic mindset.
1: All right. So Hava is a beautiful angel and Michael is a dirty capitalist. That's what we've learned
0: (laughs) on this episode. No, no, Michael. We all struggle against our capitalistic indoctrination.
1: So you still like me?
0: I still like you.
1: Oh, that's really cute.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think that was good.
0: It's a meaty episode. So please wait 30 minutes before consuming milk after you listen to this episode.
1: Definitely. Thank you so much (laughs) For guiding me through my neurotic, anxious thoughts.
0: My pleasure. People think this podcast exists for sharing queer Talmud, but actually this podcast exists for Michael to be guided through his neurosis about the Talmud.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I think that's pretty fair. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you all for tuning in. Leave a message. Become a patron. Stay safe. Yeah.
0: Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. Stay the fuck home. Stay the fuck home. Study Talmud in the comfort of your room. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye, everyone.
1: Bye.